Big 12 Conference Preview. We're going to take a look at the whole conference, react to the preseason poll, give our own predictions, top five quarterbacks from the one and only QB guru, Cody Oaks, and more on The Point After Season 2, Episode 2. CEO, what's going on? Man, you know, I can't complain. Another beautiful summer day uh, up here in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, can't wait to talk some more college football, man. Let's 100%, man. We had, a good, we had a good first episode. Off-season recap. It was tough. We talked about a lot of different conferences without spoiling much. And one of those conferences was the Big 12 Conference. And we're going to get right into it, Cody. A big news in the conference as we talk about these teams, there are new There are four new teams in the conference, Cody. We've got UCF, who last year finished second in the AAC, 9-5. and They beat Cincinnati by four, or they got beat by Cincinnati by four last year. Um, We got Houston. We've got BYU, who was independent. We've got Cincinnati, who was 9-4 and last year, who beat UCF. And like we mentioned, Houston, AAC. So we got three AAC teams and an independent team. Out of those four, just kind of give me your rundown on on each of them, maybe the quarterbacks that you like or quarterbacks, because each of them has a transfer quarterback besides UCF. They've got uh, John Riles, John Rise Plumley. Yeah, you know, um, I'm a huge fan of John Rice Plumley, and you'll actually hear about him later in the show. Um, but I think UCF is kind of positioned themselves really well in recruiting um, they've done such a good job Gus Malzahn has done such a good job in the state of Florida recruiting um, and he's actually kind of started to expand up into Georgia with his recruiting base which is I mean as we all know like the state of Georgia has really started to kind of take off as like a hotbed for recruiting so um, I think he's done a really good job building a roster that can compete in the Big 12 right away um, I think Houston has a re- big big advantage being in I want to say it's like the fourth largest city in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, be, having that large of a recruiting base for your school and being the only school in town, um, I think that's going to be a big advantage, and I think that that's going to lead to sustained success to kind of down the road in recruiting for them. Uh, BYU, um, they've done a really good job at like kind of building their product out there in Utah. Um, I think that this will kind of allow – like them moving to an actual major conference is going to allow them to get a little bit more exposure because I think there's been a couple teams in the last 10, 15 years that could have competed on a national level that just didn't get the opportunity because they were either mm-hmm. in the Mountain West or independent. Um, and then Cincinnati, obviously we've seen they've been um, a BCS buster in the past. Uh, they jumped in the playoff a couple years ago um, with Desmond Ritter and that team. Um, ended up running into the buzzsaw of Alabama, but um, mm-hmm. they were there, right? And so I think – when you have teams like that that kind of have had that kind of sustained success over the last five, ten years, double-digit wins, three out of four years and things like that for Cincinnati, um, that's when you start to kind of really see like an uptick in recruiting because they move to a larger conference. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how they contend with the big boys this year and as they become big boys, uh, which one of those like small market teams like a Cincinnati or a BYU actually starts to kind of build up um, and become a blue blood in the sport. Yeah, Cincinnati's interesting because they've got a new head coach, right? So Houston, uh, BYU, and UCF, they've had coaches there for a while. Um, I forget the BYU head coach's name, but 
Kalani um, Sataki. Samoan. He's been there forever. Yeah, Brandon Huffman could name every single Samoan. <laughs> Polynesian name possible. That was insane. Shout out Huffman, him. man. Shout out Huffman, man. Love that guy. But uh, yeah, UCF, Gus Malzahn. I mean, you reference when UCF was really good. They were the national champions that one year when they beat Auburn and Auburn beat Alabama. So, hey, UCF, now it's finally your time to prove yourself to see what you guys can do. Now, I don't know how well any of these four teams are going to do. Uh, I mean, the quarterback that intrigues me, obviously, being Keaton Slovis. He's from Arizona. Uh, went to USC, went to Pittsburgh, which was surprising that it didn't work out at Pittsburgh because I thought he actually played well. Um, then he got hurt, I think, and that's probably why his spot got taken. Cincinnati's got Emory Jones, who was at ASU last year. Now he's gone, and he was at Florida the year before. And then Donovan Smith. It's, Houston plays Texas Tech this year. Donovan Smith was from Texas Tech. So you got a little rivalry there. Say, hey, you picked Tyler Shuck over me. Let let me show you what's up. And when he was at Texas Tech, they were back and forth too. So, I mean, it's always exciting. I mean, this is is the new generation of conference realignment. It's going to be, you know, one of those days when we look back on it and say, wow, remember – Remember, well, son, like Texas, Texas and Oklahoma were in the SEC while you were growing up. I remember back then when they were in the Big 12. Or I remember USC and UCLA when they were in the Pac-12. So um, it's always cool to Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now they're in the Big 10. So out of all four, though, I know we're kind of spoiling because we're we're about to get in the reactions of the preseason poll. Which team do you think maybe, maybe could pull off a TCU move and maybe even make the championship? I mean, I said it at the beginning, I think it's UCF. Like I said, Gus Malzahn, um, he's been on the big stage before with Auburn um, twice, won a national championship with Cam Newton as the OC, went back to a national championship with Nick Marshall um, against Florida State, ended up losing that one. But, I mean, they were in prime position to win that game. Um, So I think he's done it on a big stage before. And like I said, they've done such a good job recruiting the state of Florida and expanding that recruiting base into the state of Georgia, um, mm-hmm. really building that roster kind of with that anticipatory move into a larger conference. Um, so I think they're set up with the athletes, the coach, and obviously the quarterback, which you'll hear about later in the show. Um, and I think UCF is actually primed and ready to make a big splash in the Big 12 in the first in their first year. Yeah, I agree with you. Out of all four quarterbacks, he's probably the best one. I think the best part of his game is he got, he's got so much grit. He kind of reminds me of Jake Hayner from Fresno State. Um, that type mm-hmm. of group where he's not going to come off the field uh, much shorter than most quarterbacks, but uh, he's just a playmaker. So we'll, we'll, let's let's move on. Let's react to the preseason poll. Now, when we react to the preseason poll, we're going to take a deep dive in, into each team, kind of kind of what we feel about them, um, and so on and so forth. Well, we're going to start with the number one. Number one, uh, without a doubt, with no shocker here, because every single year the Big 12 media loves Texas, and they've always disappointed. So we'll see what they do this year. Um, Texas, obviously, they added uh, A.D. Mitchell, receiver from Georgia, national champ, two-time national champ, I believe. They've got Xavier Worthy. Those highlight the receiver room. And then you've obviously got year two of Quinn Ewers and uh, Steve Sarkeesian. So how will that marriage work out? You also got Arch Arch Manning breathing on your neck a little bit, all the hype about Arch Manning. But real quick, before I get your thoughts about Texas, here is Quinn Ewers talking about what he learned from last year. Diversity more of anything was just my own head. <clears throat> you know, I've never really been through a situation like that where I, you know, wasn't playing how I wanted to. Um, you know, I was pretty successful in high school. Uh, didn't lose a whole lot of games in high school. And then, you know, coming to, to Texas, <clears throat> you know, we have really passionate fans. And I kind of let that, you know, catch up to myself and kind of, you know, went down some rabbit holes I probably shouldn't have been looking at on social media and stuff like that. And uh, <clears throat> ultimately got in my own head and 
But, you know, I learned so much from last year that I can take with me this year. And, you know, um, obviously it, it, it wasn't the way how I wanted to play last year and it wasn't how the, I wanted the team to, to end up being like. But, you know, we've learned so much. And, you know, through the adversity, we've grown closer together. Uh, we lean on each other a lot more, which is ultimately what you need to, to be a successful team. You know, first off, can we talk to the Texas media team? Get that man some water. Facts, <laughs> dude. Get this man some water. No. His throne is parched. They got interviews all day too. But I was gonna mention no mullet from Quinn Ewers. No mullet. I mean, and and like some people like think like, oh, who cares? But I'm telling you, folks, like things like that kind of show a maturation. Uh, he's he's taking his appearance more professionally, like, and he's taking it more seriously. I think things like that are like those little things that you look to a guy like, okay. You have the supreme arm. You got the big talent. You're a big, strong kid. Like you have that winning pedigree. You have a good coach. You have good receivers. Now it's now. What do you do with it? What do you do? And I think it's little things like I'm gonna cut my hair. I'm gonna be more professional. I'm gonna make sure that I'm showing up on time. I'm gonna make sure that I'm taking care of my body. I'm eating right. Um, I'm like silencing my social media maybe during the season just to make sure that I'm more focused on the game because he actually referenced it in there like, oh, I was going down rabbit holes on social media. So anytime that you see a quarterback or a leader of a team kind of take that next step um, to mature, um, that can be dangerous for their opponents. So it'll be interesting to see how Texas kind of flows into the season being being actually the favorite now as opposed to kind of chasing down Oklahoma like they have in the past. Yeah, and Texas has always kind of had a target on their back. Everyone, you know, want, wants them to be great, wants Texas to um, be at the top. And I, I kind of give kudos to, I believe it was Tom Herman, who kind of flipped around Texas um, with Sam Ellinger. Um, and now they're, I mean, now now they're the number one seed, number one team. So you got a target on your back. We'll see what happens with them. But shout out to my receiver coach in high school. He's actually the receiver coach at Texas. So. Fire. I gotta give a little Longhorn for him. We might come out to a game eventually. Give me, give me a ticket or two. But um, I think this team, though, compared to the other teams, I mean, their defense is pretty reliant. We saw that against Bama last year. Yes, we saw some spurts where they weren't. But I remember Bama game and TCU game really sticks out. They lost TCU, but at the end of the day, I believe it was like thirteen or twelve points they allowed TCU for the whole game. So, um, yeah. What are your thoughts, I guess, on this whole the whole Texas team and specifically the defense? Man, if you look at the roster, top to bottom, man, this is by far the most talented roster in the Big 12. Um, they've done a really good job recruiting, obviously, the state of Texas. They've actually expanded kind of into SEC territory, getting some Louisiana kids, getting some Florida kids, getting some Georgia kids to kind of join with those Texas kids, even a couple California kids kind of coming over. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, like year after year, the expectation is always that. Texas is back. Texas is back. Mm -hmm. Texas is back. So you kind of take it with a grain of salt this year. But again, um, one of the things that they've kind of lacked in the past has been, I mean, Sam Ellinger was a big dog at quarterback, but he always seemed to kind of like fold up in big games. And I think mm -hmm. that now they kind of have, again, the big dog quarterback with the ultra talented roster receivers, DBs, linebackers, a front seven that should be nasty. Um, Everything says on paper that Texas should win the Big 12. But as we've seen in the past, TCU was in the national championship last year and was picked eighth in the conference. So yeah. you never know. Big 12 is topsy-turvy every single year. I also wondered, too, how their offense is going to change without B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson. And I know Roshan Johnson didn't play much, but, I mean, the dude got drafted by the Bears. He was a second-round right. pick for the Bears. Right. So how will they adjust without running backs? And then my question to you, 
could we possibly see Arch Manning this season? If Quinn Ewers goes down, would that be the only case? Or if he doesn't play well, would he play Arch instead? Because look, Quinn Ewers, I mean, you were a five-star. You were, quote, the best prospect out of high school. You went to Ohio State, you transferred to Texas. We need to see something in you to be a first round, to be a Heisman candidate, like you were supposed to be projected in high school. Yeah, you know, I think that this year with them not having those two, that stable of running backs that especially and the standout star with Bijan Robinson, um, I think that this is just the year of the quarterback for Texas. Um, I think that they're just going to lean heavily on Quinn Ewers. They went out into the transfer portal, got A.D. Mitchell. Um, they were able to get Xavier Worthy to renege on his original um, transfer portal move, which a lot of people don't know this, but at one point Xavier Worthy was committed to boomer sooner in the transfer mm. portal which hurt my heart to see him go back because i would have loved to have him but you know being able to do that secure xavier worthy back get ad mitchell to come over from georgia um it sounds like they're going kind of all in on being able to throw the football 50 times a game which i think is going to be conducive not only to their success but also just being able to match up with certain teams and be able to outscore them if their defense isn't um playing up to par the next one Kansas State picks second. Now, Kansas State loses a ton of talent from last year. Adrian Martinez being at quarterback, but Will Howard got some spurts at quarterback too, which for K-State fans, that's a good sign. Deuce Vaughn not being there. Um, they lose a couple of receivers like Cade Warner, um, Felix, Uzama on the D-line, first-round pick that got picked to Kansas City. Uh, they lose a lot of secondary help. Can Kansas State bounce back after all this loss from last season, do you think? I mean, they're the defending champs. They got a target on their back. Can they respond? You know what? I think Craig Bowl, their head coach, has had success everywhere he goes. Um, if anybody who needs a backstory, the man won like 38 FCS national championships in a row at North Dakota Cl State. Kleiman, yeah. Chris Kleiman, yeah. Chris Kleiman, apologies. Yeah. You're good. You're good. Um, where's Craig Bowl? Am I sure? He's at Wyoming. I'm bugging. Sorry, guys. Um, anyway, Kleiman, he does – when you talk about Kansas State, they've always kind of had that mentality of um, we're the little guy and we're going to get the most out of every single player on our roster, whether that's on special teams, whether it's on defense, whether it's a backup wide receiver. Um, Kansas State is known for that mentality throughout their program, and they've had that mentality for a long time. You can even go back to the Bill Snyder era. Um, they did a really good job in the portal. Um, and when it wasn't really the portal, they did a really good job getting JUCO talent back under like Bill Snyder during the Bill Snyder era. And now with now the transfer rules, they're able to get guys kind of maybe bounce backs from like an Alabama, bounce backs from Texas, bounce back from West Coast schools that now maybe they go to JUCO and now they come back and now Kansas State swoops them up. Um, and now these kids that you thought were forgotten, now they're on either special teams first-team defense, first-team offense for Kansas State and making big plays. So having Will Howard back at quarterback, now not having to worry about Adrian Martinez breathing down his neck, this is Will Howard's team. Hmm. Um, I think that's going to do a big things for Kansas State, and I think that they're going to be um, a tough out, man. You know, Kleiman it, like, does such a good job with, like I said, not a bare cupboard, but like with a cupboard of unknown um, and usually gets the best out of all his players. So it'll be interesting to see how Kansas State does. Um, I think that they're going to do really, really well, though. Big Will Howard guy. 
big Will Howard yeah. guy. I loved what I saw last year from him. His his, uh, his pocket presence, being elusive outside the pocket too. Um, his accuracy, I believe he was 65, 70% passing last year, which is absolutely insane. Um, 15 touchdown passes, four interceptions. But, I mean, he's going to be the guy. He's Like you said, he's got no one else to, um, you know, contend with him. I, I think under Will Howard's team, Kansas State is for sure going to be scary next year. And I want to move on to number three. Oklahoma Sooners, and I'm going to give you the floor here because I do not agree with you, but the floor is yours, Mr. Oklahoma fan. But we are a college football show, so don't be biased. All right? (laughs) No, in all honesty, you know, uh, this is going to be a kind of a prove me year for Oklahoma. I'm a fan. Um, Last year was not good enough. As we know, um, the big expectation was like Coach Venables was going to come in and fire up our defense to make sure that we're not giving up 50 points a game. Um, unfortunately, at the beginning of the year, it was working. Towards the middle to the end of the year, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, we also fought a lot of injuries at the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, most, the, the biggest, the most glaring one to me was obviously when your starting quarterback goes out um, during rivalry week against a talented and angry Texas team. It's going to be hard to win. Um, so Dylan Gabriel being back, being healthy, Another year in his system at Oklahoma. Um, obviously, they did a really good job recruiting not only high school, the high school level, but also um, and the transfer portal. They've done a really, really good job securing a top. I want to say both of them were like top twenty classes, not only in the transfer portal, but also at the high school level. So, um, and they have the incumbent uh, starter coming back in General Booty. Um, I'm pretty sure he's going to be like, he's like a five-star or four-star committed quarterback that's going to be in there waiting to take the reins after Dylan Gabriel leaves. So they're set up for sustained success. Um, another year of Coach Venable's defense, hopefully he's able to recruit to the level that he was at Clemson, um, not only on the D-line, but also um, at the second level and also in the secondary. So um, the Oklahoma Sooners, I think that they're going to be back to their winning ways. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the Oklahoma Sooners will be in the Big 12 championship, um, but I don't think it's going to be like as a one or two loss team. I think they'll probably have like three losses getting there because I think the Big 12 is going to cannibalize itself. Really? Like like a Pac-12, like we've seen with Pac-12 and mm-hmm. the carousel of beating each other out. You think the Big 12 is going to do that? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think Dylan Gabriel is very overrated. I- I'm going to say it as, as it is. Uh, he gets injured all the time. Uh, yes, he threw for 3,000 yards, but they passed first over there at Oklahoma. Um, their defense was atrocious last year. I don't see how, how one year you can go from being one of the worst defenses in the league to one of the best defenses in the league, especially with a coach like Brent Venables. You expect more. I do not think Oklahoma is going to make it to the Big 12. I think they lose four games. Uh, Brent Venables should never have left Clemson. I, I'm, I'm saying it right now. I think Dylan Gabriel is the most overrated quarterback in this whole freaking college football. All right, I think he's overrated. He is overrated, man. Jeez, that's all I gotta say. Hey, I test myself. I don't. Yeah, I can pull up stats all you want, but I, when I watched him last year, I was not too impressed. That Oklahoma game, unexcusable. The Oklahoma game against Texas. Come on now, you cannot be doing that against Texas when the lights are brightest. He doesn't perform. He didn't perform well against Florida State in the Cheez It Bowl either. So. That's my take on Oklahoma as we move on. So I don't get yelled at and Cody doesn't leave the show. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep going on uh, Texas tech, a team that I like personally, Texas we tech. Led like by, Texas tech. We do like Texas tech. Um, they, they returned a ton of starters from last year. Uh, I looked across their depth chart. 
Um, and and I'll, I'll have to do the specific counts once uh, you talk about Texas Tech. They've pretty much got seniors or transfers at every single position. They've got every a lot of grad position. transfers, uh, which means a lot of strength, a lot of knowledge. Um, talk to uh, Texas Tech quarterback Tyler Shuck on the radio show I work for, too. And I asked him, I was like, you know how, because most people that we've seen, when things don't go right, they either transfer or they, they think they're ready for the NFL and they leave early. Well, for Tyler Shuck, he left Oregon and goes to Texas Tech, and he doesn't even start for his first couple of years. He battles with Donovan Smith. Um, and he basically talked about how he feels like he's ready, more ready now than what he would be if he were to left after three years um, at the quarterback position, just learning the playbook, learning the scheme. Um, he, he said his offense is more like kind of the uh, like the NFL-type offense. Uh, the QB coach is with Pat Mahomes' coach. So for me, he's tall. He can throw the pat. He can throw the ball. Um He's he's uh, he's a good pocket passer. Obviously, he's a little skinny. Health wise, will be the one thing for him. But I mean, they return their top running back, turn their top wide receiver. I think this Texas Tech team is a pretty dangerous team that people should start looking out for. Yeah, you know, I think this is probably the best team that Texas Tech has had since that kind of that year when Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Texas all had one loss in the Big Twelve. I think that was two thousand eight. Yeah, I think two thousand eight, two thousand nine. But that being said, you know, I think that, like you said, seniors all throughout their depth chart, um, a returning quarterback for the first time in a while where it's like his team and not having to worry about another guy on, on the roster kind of going back and forth with him. Um, and and, and, and it, is, it needs to be said, like having a senior quarterback and like a sixth-year senior quarterback like a Tyler mm-hmm. Shepp who has seen a lot of places. He's seen a lot of things. He's experienced a lot of things at this college level. Um, and he's prepared for just about anything. So I think that um, Texas Tech is really lined up to have a great season. And it'll, I will be very shocked if they don't win at least eight or nine games and maybe contend for that Big 12 championship game. Yeah, they're one of those teams that we mentioned before that won a bowl game. They had a hot start um, at the end of the season. Good finish. Sorry, hot finish. But looking at their depth chart just now, they've got 18 of 22. 18 of 22 players that are seniors, grad grad seniors, or redshirt, COVID, gray shirt, redshirt, vaccinated seniors, or whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, and then the other four are juniors, too. So, lastly, we're going to talk about the fifth team, and then we'll, 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 we'll quickly look at uh, 6 to 14 and kind of see which teams we like from there. But TCU, the team that was made the college football playoff last year, lost in the Big 12 championship due to bad coaching. Uh, bad personnel offensively. Uh, they returned Chandler Morris, who was the original quarterback before Max Duggan took his spot. Sonny Dykes, they got a couple transfers from the transfer portal from other players, but, I mean, a lot of missing pieces. Quentin Johnson, they got a lot of guys defensively. The, the Fiesta Bowl MVP, their linebacker's gone. They got two linebackers gone defensively. Can, can Sonny Dykes make it happen, or is this going to be kind of a down year for Sonny Dykes in TCU? You know what's crazy is... As we know, they were picked eighth last year in the Big 12, and they exceeded all expectations. So if they go eight and four this year or seven and five, is that really a down year for them? That is you true. never know. So um, I think that having Chandler Morris back, who actually didn't get beat out, he just got injured. So he got Ooh. injured. Max Duggan came in. We know the story about Max Duggan. Um, so understand that at the end of the day, like this guy did beat out the guy who finished second in the Heisman Trophy um race last year um so it'll be interesting to see how he does i think that again tcu is another school that gets the best out of what they have in the cup in their cupboard um and obviously them being in the dfw area their cupboard is not bare in terms of 
talent. I mean, obviously, they're not recruiting at the level of a Texas or an Oklahoma, but at the same time, um, in a state like Texas, there's going to be a lot of players that are going to be quality football players. So um, it'll be interesting to see how TCU bounces back. Um, obviously, obviously, a big target on their back. Played for the national championship last year, although they did get boat raced. The fact that they were there beat a very, very good Michigan team um, to get there. Um, I think that that creates momentum within your program, allows for better recruiting, uh, more resources, not only for yourself, but also for your conference. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that TCU is going to be just fine. Do I think that they're going to play for the Big 12 championship again? No, I do not. But Sonny Dykes has always done a good job. Um, he did a really good job at SMU. Um, obviously, year one in, at TCU, man, plays for the national championship, so it's hard to bet against him. But um, like you said, a lot of pieces missing. So um, I'm seeing like an eight and four, seven and five TCU team go to a bowl game, probably smack somebody because mm -hmm. they're not as talented as them. Cody, we looked through six through 14. I'm a, a real, real recap here. Uh, six Baylor, seven Oklahoma State, eight UCF, nine Kansas, 10 Iowa State, 11 BYU, 12 Houston, 13 Cincinnati, and West Virginia holding up the rear. Yeah. Six through 14. Like we mentioned a lot, TCU was picked eight. They came out of the conference for the CFP. They almost won the Big 12 championship, made the Big 12 championship. You look at six through 14. Who do you think was ranked too low? And who do you look as a dark horse? from 6 to 14, that could make some noise. Where was UCF ranked? Eight. Ooh. Where was TCU ranked last year? Eight. Okay. Just wondering. So don't remember, if you remember at the beginning of this episode, when we were talking about the Big 12, I said that UCF was best prepared of all the new teams to make a run at possibly making it to the Big 12 championship game and winning it. I truly believe the roster is built to succeed very quickly in the Big 12. Returning quarterback, Florida and Georgia recruiting based, a national championship head coach, a rich tradition of winning. Guys, UCF is rated too low in the Big 12. And I think personally that this is, I don't wanna say a down year for a Big 12, but I don't think that there's like a super team in the Big 12. So I think that's prime pickings for a UCF team that I think is going to be extremely hungry and ready to kind of prove themselves now that they're on the big stage. For me, a dangerous team, just because of how electric he is. I mean, it's kind of hard to knock out Kansas and what they did. They did last year and Jalen Daniels. Um, they obviously, they lost to Arkansas in the battle. I mean, it was like 53 to 49 was the final score, like triple yeah. fourth overtime against KJ Jefferson. But I mean, they're a team to me that could make some noise just because of how, dangerous their quarterback is um i think oklahoma state's gonna have a really bad year they had a ton of guys transfer out from last season they lost to wisconsin in the bowl game too um it might be a tough year for mike gundy and then baylor's a team i just never want i never know if they're going to be outstanding or if they're just going to be dog shit <laughs> like, i i never know what i'm going to get with baylor and who their quarterback is and and what but it's obviously it's a tough place to play yeah, you know, I think Baylor, Baylor's one of those places where, like, if they have the quarterback and the receivers, they're in every game. But if you take one of those things away, they go 1-11. and mm. <laughs> Which sucks because a guy like a Dave Aranda, who's their head coach, he's great on defense. But if you can't score in the Big 12, you can't win. Yeah. So um, I think Blake Shapin is their, head, is their starting quarterback for Baylor. Um, good little player. 
Um, but in terms of like the top echelon of the conference, in terms of quarterback play, he's not there yet. So um, I think you're looking at like a four and eight, um, five and seven year at Baylor at best. Yeah, well, that is the preseason poll, and we're about to have our own rankings in a bit. But first, we got a new segment. It's called Over or Under. We're going to look at the win totals before the season. These are all brought to you by FanDuel, all these odds you can bet on FanDuel. Uh, no, we're not sponsored by them yet, but hopefully one day we will be. We're just going to rapid fire. Shout out FanDuel. We're going to rapid fire. Um, we're going to go through every team in alphabetical order. And we're going to say over or under. And then we're going to come back on this last se- on, at the end of the season and see who was right. So, Baylor <laughs> over under seven and a half wins. I'm going under. 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 No shot. BYU <laughs> over under four and a half. I'm going under. I'm going over. Ooh. Okay. Kalani, Sitake, Kalani Sitake does not lose that many games. There's no way. Okay. All right. Cincinnati over under five and a half. Even. Well, I mean, you can't do it. It's five and a half. I, know. <laughs> I just want to say yes. Let's go. Let's go over, but slightly over six and seven or six. I'm gonna and say six. I'm gonna say under because I'm not a big fan of Emory Jones. I don't, I don't really like him at all. I don't think he's a really good quarterback. Can't pass the football, so I'm gonna go under. Mm. Houston four and a half. I'm gonna go over. Mm. Okay. Um. Dana Holgerson does know the conference. He coached at West Virginia for a long time. Houston puts up a ton of points. That run and shoot down there with Coach Holgerson. Mm. I'll go over two. Over. All right. Iowa State, five and a half. Under. Uh, I'm going to go under as well. Uh, Kansas, six and a half. I'm going to go over. I think they get seven wins. Over. You're right. <laughs> Kansas State, seven and a half. I'm going over for over, Kansas Over, got State. to. Yeah, what? O- Oklahoma, nine and a half. I'm going under. That's so disrespectful. I think a nine maybe, but I- I'm thinking eight for Oklahoma. Actually, I did say that they were going to lose two or three games, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Play the clip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's go under. Damn it. Uh, Oklahoma State, over, under, six and a half. I'm going under. Under. Yeah. Sorry, T- Mike Gundy. It's gonna yeah. be one of them years, my boy. TCU seven and a half. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go over. I think they get eight wins. Great call. I'm going over as well. Texas nine and a half. Um I'm gonna go under. I think they get nine. I'm gonna get nine and make it. Mm, I already kind of gave my Big 12 championship pick. And that means that I can't take Texas to have the over. So I have to go mm-hmm. under. Under? Texas Tech, seven and a half. I'm going over. I'm going over barely. Eight. Okay. UCF, six and a half. I'm going. I'm going to go over. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to get seven. We're going over. UCF Knights versus the Oklahoma Sooners in the Big 12 Championship. And then lastly, West Virginia Mountaineers, five and a half. I'm going under. Under, under, uh, under, under. And there under, is the under. over, under. Well, Cody, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm, our next segment, I am never tired of. I'm never, never get over it because it gets better and better. Cody's top five quarterbacks, Big 12 edition. Let's get right to it. You know how we start out with the honorable mention. Honorable mention, folks. This guy tried it at USC. 
started at USC, went to Pitt, started at Pitt, played well at Pitt. Um, but will BYU finally be the third times a charm spot for Keaton Slovis? Um, former Pac-12 brawler, um, went to USC, obviously went over to the ACC and Pitt. Um, he's from Arizona, Arizona boy like myself and Jackson here. Um, and, you know, so, but sometimes all it takes is a change of scenery for a guy to kind of come out of his shell and really start to ball out. Um, uh, obviously, with BYU making their debut in a wide-open Big 12, um, they're probably going to lean heavily on the senior signal caller. So mm. let's just see how you do. Uh, Keaton Slovis, I have a ton of ton of confidence in you as a player. Watched you ball out both at USC and at Pitt. Um, so I think that as they give you the, the keys to the Rari, as they say, I think that he's going to do well. So, uh, Keaton Slovis, you are my honorable mention top quarterback. Number five. Number five. Now, I really like this kid, another transfer quarterback, um, but he's been there longer. So he's been at Texas Tech for three years now. Um, Tyler Shupp, former Oregon quarterback, he'll be the returning quarterback with a ton of experience. Um, it's his third year in the program, like I just said. And uh, because of COVID and injuries, this will be his sixth college football season. Um, so anytime you have a quarterback that has that much experience and being able to be in different situations, not only at Texas Tech, but also at Oregon, um, I feel like you're dialed up for success, as, especially as there's kind of like a little bit more parity throughout the league. Um, anytime you have a big time player, that's kind of one of those things that kind of can take you over the top in certain games. Um he has some big-time receiving weapons outside, as usual, at Texas Tech. A big old line in front of him and uh, a better-than-advertised defense um, down there at Texas Tech this year. Um, ones to keep an eye out, possibly to kind of make some noise this year, maybe sneak into the Big 12 championship game. Um, but uh, I think it's going to be um, a really good year down there for Texas Texas Tech and Tyler Schiff in, in general. Uh, I think t I think Tyler should be higher, but, hey, what do I know? Uh, he's from Arizona as well, but, okay. Um, number four? Number four, this guy is might be one of my favorite players in all of college football. Um, John, John Reese Plumley from UCF. Um, he's an absolute stud. Um, you talked about his grit. What a lot of people don't realize, for the UCF spring game, this guy literally played a baseball game, like a full baseball game at second base for UCF in his baseball uniform, ran across campus, and ended up throwing for over 200 yards and three touchdowns in the spring game for UCF. So this dude is an absolute stud, doesn't get tired, um, and uh, I think he's going to end up being the newcomer of the year in the Big 12 this year. Mark it down. You heard it here first. Um, strong arm, absolute bulldog mentality, supreme world to win, um, and Andy also has a ton of stud receivers and playmakers around him. Um, I think UCF is set to have a big year, and John Reese Plumley is a big reason why. Number three. Number three. Um, I haven't ever been a big fan of this guy, but I reckon like game recognized game in terms of talent. Um, Brian Ewers. Um, ever since he stepped on campus, there's kind of been something kind of off, whether it's his mullet or whether it's his. Oh, sometimes overly confident self. Um, sometimes it was his kind of shutting down and not being able to play really well in big games. Um, you never know. And then, but then he would flip and go crazy against Alabama for a half. You know. So um, anyway, um, supreme arm talent, 
big a big physical imposing player. Second year with Coach Sark, um, a winning pedigree. You guys saw it in that clip. He said like when he was in high school, didn't lose a lot of games. I want to say he won at least one state championship. I don't know if he won multiple, but um, I know him at South Lake Carroll. They did win one. Um, and uh, they just haven't really had a chance to put it all together yet down there in Texas. And I think this might be the year. Again, we talked about the parity in the conference allows for players like a big-time quarterback like a Quinn Ewers to kind of step up, lead his team, backpack his team to a conference championship. Um, also, with the addition, of a the addition of A.D. Miller in the receiving core, that adds another weapon uh, to his tool belt. Um, so we'll see. Um, Quinn Ewers, you're our number three quarterback in the Big 12 this year. A.D. Mitchell, but number two. What did I say? Miller, it's okay, dog. It's, it's it's preseason. I'm talking fast and spitting facts. What can I say? <laughs> Number two. Okay, this guy was tabbed as the preseason Big Twelve Offensive Player of the Year. Um, I'm a huge fan of his. Um, I don't know if anybody saw his Apple Watch drip necklace that he made. Uh, so this guy was the darling of the Big Twelve Media Days this year, and he actually brawled out last year for Kansas. Uh, Jalen Daniels. Um, he's been kind of like he's kind of been that like guiding light. Um, and if you remember back a couple of years ago, Kansas was kind of mired in like kind of a crappy year. Um, and they ended up going to Texas on the road um, with Jalen Daniels as his, as the backup quarterback. And he got the start and that was his first start. And they beat Texas in overtime. Um, and kind of ever since then, it's kind of been like his show. Um, and last year made a bowl game. This year, they're looking to go to back-to-back -back bowl games for the first time since 2008-2009. Um, so, I think Kansas gets the job done, and Jalen Daniels is a big reason why. So, shout-out to Jalen Daniels. Love the Apple Watch necklace at Media Days. You are number two uh, quarterback in the Big 12 this year. And at number one. No bias. Just look at the numbers, guys. Look at the numbers. Look at the weapons. Look at the team he has around him. I got to go with Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma. Oh, Sorry, guys. So I have to do it. Uh, I have to do it. He's so overrated. 3,200 yards. Uh. Listen, 3,200 yards, 25 touchdowns, only six picks, 315 yards rushing, six rushing touchdowns, um, battled injuries all season, and was still able to put up those numbers. Oklahoma was one in five in one score games last year. What that tells me is that they're in every football game. And usually when you have a year where you lose a lot of one score games, your team is battle tested. They're ready to go. They have that hunger because they know how close they were to having a really good season. That lets me know that that number, if it does turn around and they go five and one in those one score games, add in those other big wins that they had down the road later in the season, you're looking at a 10 and two, uh, maybe a nine and three big 12 championship contender. Um, so Dylan Gabriel, the lefty who funny enough used to play for UCF. Um, it'll be interesting to see when they lock horns in the big 12 conference championship, who comes out on top. Shout out Dylan Gabriel. You are the number one quarterback in the big 12 for the point after. How does Will Howard not make the list? How does Keenan Slovis go above Will Howard? Uh, Keaton Slovis to me is a better quarterback than Will Howard. All right. That was all right. Good, good segment, Cody. Good segment. A little disagreement there. We'll see how it pans out. We'll see. Hey, Dylan Gabriel, there you go. Oh, he's freaking biased. 
Oklahoma fans, man. It's all good. Look at that thing. All right, well, it's our time to do our preseason polls. I'm going to go with my top two. Ooh. Because I already gave my prediction of who's going to be in the Big 12 championship. Mm. So, obviously, Oklahoma and UCF will be at the top of the conference. Texas will be third. Wait, wait, you said Oklahoma and UCF? Yeah. All right. You heard it here first. Call me Desmond Howard if you want. The way he picked the CFP last year. But Oklahoma UCF in the Big 12 Championship. I'm a big – I'm I, obviously, I'm an Oklahoma fan. I think year two under Coach Venables, that defense is going to be much improved. A healthy Dylan Gabriel. Great job recruiting the last two years. Um, message not only the high school recruiting but also with the transfer portal. I think Oklahoma's talent gap is – shrunken with the rest of the league in terms of when they were losing guys from Lincoln Riley leaving. Um, I think this is a big bounce back year. Like I said, one in five and one score games last year. I think that number flips, um, which leads to usually a double digit win total the following year. Um, UCF supremely built to have success in the big 12 immediately, a returning quarterback, supreme athletes on the edges, um, a good quarter or a good coach who's won at the highest level. Um, to me, those are the two teams set up best to contend in the conference. Now, coming in at number three, Texas. I think Texas, I mean, and does Texas sneak into the Big 12 championship? Maybe. Do they kick the door down? Maybe. Um, I think the, the Big 12 is one of the most wide open conferences in the country. I think that the new members have just as big an opportunity to knock off some of the Blue Bloods. So I'm going to go with Oklahoma, UCF. Texas, Kansas State. Then we kind of get into like the next the next echelon of teams that like I think could do something, but like I don't expect them to play in the Big 12 championship or contend for it late. Mm. The second group of four, bowl eligible, maybe knock off one of the one, maybe two of the top four teams that I had in there. So I'm gonna go Texas Tech, TCU, Kansas and BYU in those four. With those four, I think those four teams below the top four, so kind of like one through eight, all those guys are going to be bowl eligible, ready to go. Um, the next set of four, one or two might be bowl eligible. I think might make a little bit of noise, but not really as much. We're going to go Baylor, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Houston. And that leaves... Sorry, guys. Cincinnati, West Virginia, you guys are bringing up the rear. Um, I just don't see Cincinnati behind Emory Jones. Um, Luke Fickle leaving, taking some of those guys with him over to Wisconsin. West Virginia, I think you guys just simply aren't talented enough to keep up with the rest of the conference. And so there you have it, folks. One through 14, um, Oklahoma versus UCF in the conference title, and Oklahoma rides off into the SEC with that Big 12 crown. Baby, you heard it here first. Wow. All right. Well, there's his 14. I'm going to give you a more realistic 14. All right, everybody. Uh, I'm just kidding. No, that was good. UCF's interesting because I, I have UCF completely right different, so this is what makes the show amazing. So you've got two different opinions. Sometimes we're together, and sometimes we're apart. So without further ado, here's my Big 12 rankings. At number one, I've got Texas Tech. I'm really high on Texas Tech this year. 
I like the quarterback. I, I like how how much how much senior talent they have on both sides of the ball. 18 out of 22 are seniors, and those other four are juniors. So don't count them out as well. And then for me too, I think Texas is a bounce back year. What I've been hearing from Quinn Ewers, um, he's locked in. Steve Sarkeesian, and I think maybe having Arch Manning there, kind of like how we had Hudson Card pushing him. Maybe he could push him um, at fall camp. Um, I think A.D. Mitchell is a big addition. A.D. Mitchell on the outside. You got Xavier Worthy. The biggest key for me is going to be their defense, which I think they got the most talented defense um, in the conference, and it's going to come down to the running game. See if they're going to run the ball more without Bijan and Roshan, or they're going to throw the ball more because they got guys like A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy. So I got Texas Tech in Texas. Um, I'll, I'll get my championship prediction at, at the end. Three and four. Three, Kansas State. I think Will Howard's going to bounce back. And, and good coaching with Kleiman. Um, they also had a lot of guys return. Blah, blah, blah. We mentioned it. Four, Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma's super overrated. Yes, they're going to win some games. Yes, they've got talent. But it's all going to come down to Dylan Gabriel's going to stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, um, this team's got a shot. But I got him at four because Dylan Gabriel, I think, is overrated. But compared to the other quarterbacks, he's decent. So, uh, TCU at five, tough loss with Garrett Riley leaving to Clemson. Um, some of the key guys like Duggan, uh, yeah, Quentin Johnson, both running backs, including Kendra Miller are gone. So that team's going to have to rebound. But I think they're set for the future. They got a lot of young guys. So I got TCU at five. Um, Baylor at six, seven, Kansas. I got eight, BYU. Those are the teams I think will probably be eligible, like you mentioned. And the bottom tier, it's, it's going to be tough for these teams. You got Oklahoma State at nine. Uh, Iowa State ten. I got UCF at eleven. I, I don't think UCF. I think they, I think they get kind of smacked in the mouth. Um, they said they were going to be a Power Five team. They said that they were national champions. I think they get smacked in the mouth. I think possibly, you know, I mean they don't they don't want a quarterback depth. They got Plumley and that's it. If he gets hurt, I mean that's that's a tough that's a tough year for UCF. I'm not as high on UCF as you are, but I mean after hearing this, maybe I'm a little higher. But I got to keep my rankings as they are. Um, eleven. And then at 12, I got Houston, 13, Cincinnati, and then 14, West Virginia. I think this is going to be a rude awakening for these guys, but I think next year you'll see these new teams kind of um, excel with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. So that leads me to my championship. I got Texas Tech, Texas, and then I got Texas losing and Texas Tech winning. I got Tyler Shuck and the boys rising up. And the winner of the Big 12, if they don't make the CFP, actually goes to the Fiesta Bowl. So I would be seeing them at the Fiesta Bowl. So I got we Texas will Tech be seeing them at the Fiesta Bowl. We will Bowl. be seeing them at the Fiesta Bowl, yes. So I got Texas Tech versus Texas, and, uh, yeah, those are my four teams. So. That's awesome, man. You know, uh, UCF from 2nd to 11th. Nice. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We'll see. Maybe they'll meet in the middle. Who knows? But, hey. okay, a dark horse team that we both think – um, that was kind of rated right in the middle that could maybe rise up. We mentioned earlier, um, Kansas for me. And then for you, mine is Texas tech. Like what? I'm like, again, I'm high on Texas tech. I just don't think that they're used. It's like, if those guys were like, if they had one more year, it's like, they're not used to winning yet. So I don't mm. think they're used to the success. Um, now they could come out and steamroll Oregon in week one and throw my whole thing up. And yeah. smoke, but um, they're not used to it. And I think that them not having that winning pedigree yet um, is going to work against them this year. But not in a way to where I don't think that they'll win eight-plus games. Okay. 
All right, let's go newcomer of the year. Let's get into this kind of the pre, the, the Big 12 awards, who we think is going to win. Newcomer of the year for me, I, I mentioned him all over the show, A.D. Mitchell from Texas. I think he's electric. I think he's going to absolutely explode this year. Look out for him for newcomer of the year from Georgia. Great choice. Um, I'm going to go back to UCF, their quarterback, their trigger man, John Reese Pumley. I think he stays healthy. Um, I think we're looking at 3,500 yards plus. I think we're looking at 30 plus touchdowns, less than five interceptions. Um, he's a good dual sport athlete too, so he's going to have he's going to be able to run a little bit. We're looking at probably like 400, 500 yards rushing, another maybe four or five touchdowns on the ground, mm-hmm. um, and he might contend maybe for that conference player of the year, not only just newcomer of the year, but also conference player of the year too. Offensive player of the year, and for my rankings, I mean, Texas Tech's at one, so you obviously expect the quarterback play to be amazing. I got Tyler Shug as the offensive player of the year, and that's kind of my bold prediction for the conference, too. Um, looking for a big year for him, six years, obviously, playing college football, you're bound to have a really good season, and, and with the talented roster that he's been with for a while. So that's my offensive player, my defensive player. He is also the preseason, but I, I think he's going to um, get the reigning defensive player of the year after the season, and that's Jalen Ford, Texas linebacker, 120 tackles, four interceptions, two sacks last year. And the linebacker core for Texas is going to be pivotal. That's, that's the thing that sets them apart. That's the thing that sets the whole defense up. So I'm looking out for them. So I got Jalen Ford and I got Tyler Shuck. And Tyler Shuck as my bold prediction for the Big 12. What about you, sir? I am going to agree with you, Defense Player of the Year, Mr. Ford from Texas. Like you said, and I've said previously as well, Texas is Mm. supremely talented. They probably have the best player at every single position in every game that they'll play in the Big 12. Mm. So that being said, when Dylan Gabriel wins the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year this year for Oklahoma, it's going to be a little bit of an upset because I think technically Quinn Ewers is better and we'll have a better pro career. But in terms of college football, remember, Dylan Gabriel has been around for forever. He played for UCF, what feels like back in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think experience, you can't, like, that's something that you can't buy. That's something you can't train is experience. So um, I think that Dylan Gabriel with a healthy year, a full year of playing, um, I think that 3,200 yards jumps up to close to 4,200 yards. I think that 25 touchdowns jumps up to closer to 40. Um, and I think that Oklahoma has a banner year. And uh, I think they go 10 and 2, 9 and 3. Um, and he's a big reason why. You got a bold prediction at all, too? Is Dylan Gabriel kind of your bold for offensive player of the year? Let me give you a bold prediction. My bold prediction is um, Texas beats Bama. I'll go there. Texas beats Ooh. Alabama on the road to shake things up to start the year off on September 9th. Twin Ewers rides in with the freaking golden sombrero hat and knocks off Nick Saban and the palace that they built. On the road would be very interesting. All right, let's go best coach in the conference. For me, um, I, I think high expectations from what he did last year. If they win seven to eight games, I think it's a success. I'm going to go Sonny Dykes, TCU. And if he can bounce back, and, you know, be both eligible after losing all those players and, and build for the future. I, I like I like Sonny Dykes. So I'm going to go Sonny Dykes as the best coach in the conference. What about you? Not a bad choice. I'm going to go kind of off the beaten path because I also don't think that they're going to have a great season, but I think it's not because of this guy. Hmm. Um, I think Dave Aranda. Like, Dave Aranda is so good at what he does. He's quiet. He's humble. He's respectful. He just gets the job done on the defensive side of the ball for a perennially – Perennially known for to being an offensive program, um, I think Dave Aranda 
slight edge over um, Sonny Dykes. Out of Baylor, for those who didn't know, out of Baylor, the deep knowledge from Cody right there, out of baby. Coach on the hot seat. This might surprise you, but I think it's more the fit. It's kind of getting old. I'm going to go Iowa State's Matt Campbell. Mm. Uh, four and eight last season, seven and six the year before, lost in the Cheez It Bowl. Now, I think he's a great coach, and I think he could be a great coach somewhere else. I just think he might need a change. I, I think they're always, he's always a top candidate when it's another Big Ten school or another SEC school or another Pac 12 school. They always mention Matt Campbell, even Northwestern job. They mentioned Matt Campbell. I just think he kind of needs a change. Brock Purdy's gone. He had the Brock Purdy, David Montgomery, kind of Brees Hall class that he kind of excelled with. I think they're yeah. gone. I think he might need a new change. That's that's my coach on the hot seat. Sir, we agree on something. Matt really? Campbell has overstayed his welcome down there in Iowa City. Sorry, my dude, or in Ames. I apologize. Um, but I'm sorry, man. Like I think this is your last year. They put up with it because you'll always bounce back or maybe you'll come up and you'll upset someone. Fans rush the field every year because they always beat someone that they're not supposed to. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think this is the year that uh, this is kind of like the final nail in the coffin. And I think Matt Campbell will be looking for a different job. And I think he's going to be successful, like you said, at another job. But it will be another job nonetheless. And that wraps up the Big 12 Conference preview. Let's pipe it up, Cody. One of five. I don't beg you. Good work. Oh, man. Well, as we conclude the episode, Cody, Big 12 first conference preview. Um, our next episode is probably our favorite conference, which I'm, I'm most excited to talk about is the Pac-12. But as we look back on the Big 12, um, what? yeah, just your, just your thoughts, man, about the Big 12 and what's to come for this season. No, honestly, I think if, if, the, if they – I mean, as we know, Oklahoma and Texas are leaving, and I think the league is actually set up for some kind of sustained success with the four teams that they ended up bringing in to replace them. Obviously, they're not blue bloods like an OU in Texas, and losing them does give them a big hit in terms of credibility. However, bringing in a BYU who had kind of stuck to being independent, bringing in a UCF um, who's had a lot of success on the national scene, bringing in a Cincinnati who's had a lot of success on the national scene, as well as a Houston who has knocked off some of those teams that are already in the Big 12 um, in recent in recent uh, seasons. So um, Big 12, I think you're in a better position than you guys think. I know you guys are sad that you guys are losing the Blue Bloods, but understand that the guys that you guys brought in are going to actually add some value to the programs already. So Big 12, it's on you this year. Show out, mm. please. Yeah, I think it'll be a cool year too because they've been wanting to test to see if they can, you know, run a conference with fourteen teams. And with Texas and Oklahoma possibly leaving, um, if it works out, maybe they like fourteen teams better. Look out for a team like Colorado with Pac twelve, no media deal going on there. You got USC, UCLA. It pains me because we're both Pac twelve fans, both born and raised on the West Coast. But way the way the Pac twelve is going right now, I don't know if they can recover with USC and UCLA leaving especially with teams like Washington and Oregon maybe going to the Big Ten, too. There's going to be a lot of realignments because eventually, we talked about this, Cody, I think eventually it's going to be come down to either East Coast, West Coast, or it's going to become just a, full, a quadrant um, across the country. South, um, East, West, North, whatever. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I got, my, I got my directions messed up there. But um, Another great episode. Be sure to watch uh, next week. We will talk Pac-12. And then our next episode after that, we're going to be talking SEC. Two great conferences with some great teams. For Cody Oaks, I'm Jackson Groff. This is The Point After, a college football show. We'll see you next time. Peace.